Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to Impact Cyber Church. You know, we're starting a whole new series uh, this month called Heaven on Earth. And uh, that's the goal. The goal is to help you, me, you know, one another live in heaven on earth. Now, when you hear a title like that, you could kind of feel like, hey, man, you're kind of overshooting. You're kind of overselling. You're promising something that you that you really can't deliver. But maybe when you discover what Jesus said about that, what the Bible as a whole says about that, you will realize that maybe when you're thinking heaven on earth, that's not exactly the picture that I have in my brain. The picture you have in your brain may not be exactly what Jesus was talking about. And you say, well, Jesus never talked about how to have heaven on earth. Well, you know what? Actually, he did. He talked to us about how we could enter into a realm where we were experiencing uh, life, regardless of what was going on in life, we were experiencing life inwardly in a way that it was, it was like being in heaven, even though we were still here on earth, even though there were still things going on around us um, uh, that we couldn't control, maybe couldn't do anything about, we could still have the peace, the joy, the, the, the connection, the feeling of safety uh, uh, with God that we would have if we were literally in heaven with God. Now, today I'm going to be talking to you about what I call frustrated by the promises. You know, the Bible tells us that hope deferred will make the heart sick. But when desire comes, now, in other words, when, when, when hope is fulfilled or even or when a promise that you believe is fulfilled, it, it says that it is a tree of life. And that's what we want to do. We want to eat from the tree of life right here in this life and enjoy all of the good things of God. But I can tell you this. I know by being in the ministry for so long, by counseling so many people, by being a pastor, a teacher, and, and a personal coach, a ministry coach, life coach, I know that many, many people who years ago got so excited about the promises of God, so excited about you know, what the new covenant had to offer, but I, I know that good people, godly people who saw those promises, believed those promises, uh, got frustrated because many times they just did not see those promises come to pass the way that they thought they should or the way the, it sounded like the Bible was saying that they should come to pass. I'm going to tell you something. One of the things you don't want to have happen to you is for your heart to get sick. Now remember, hope is the basis from which all faith springs. The word hope basically means a confident expectation of good things. And so uh, that confident uh, expectation of good things that in our heart 
that keeps us that keeps us ever expectant for things to work out, ever expectant for things to get better. Let me tell you something. If you are not an optimist, you might have lost a lot of hope along the way. You might have had a lot of bad experiences that made it that, that hurt your heart and made it hard to to believe that good things could happen in your life. And the sad thing is, once hope gets deferred, once hope gets diminished, once hope gets crushed in your heart, then the problem is you stop expecting good things to happen. And when you stop expecting good things to happen, then you stop looking for them. And when you stop looking, that means you have stopped seeking. When you stop seeking, you stop finding. And it just goes into this whole downward negative progression that leads us to become pessimists, that leads us to live in dread and in fear and in pessimism. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to pass the rest of the days of my life off in pessimism. I don't want to pass the rest of my life off expecting the best. You know, how many times I've heard people say, you know, uh, I know things are going good now, but, you know, I'm just waiting for them to go wrong. I'm just waiting for the shoe to drop or, you know, another terminology. I'm just waiting for the penny to drop. N many people, even when things are going wrong, they've had so many disappointments in their life that they're just like, well, you know, this, this isn't, this isn't going to last. And so uh, people get frustrated by the promises. And man, I'm telling you what, there's a world of people that that came into this thing back in the late 60s and early 70s and 80s. And, you know, when the faith movement was was really bringing about incredible change in the world and when other different areas were realizing, oh, wait a minute, God's a good God and his promises, they still apply to us. And uh uh, man, many people came in this thing so hopeful, so optimistic. And uh, uh, today, I, I just meet people all over the world that are frustrated, they're discouraged, their heart is sick because the things they hoped for absolutely did not come to pass. Let me mention to you, by the way, just take a moment. You know, my new book, uh, Heaven on Earth, I'm telling you, this is, a, this is a, a, a part one of a trilogy about the kingdom of God and about entering into that realm where you discover what it is to be able to have heaven on earth. And of course, the series that accompanies that, I'm telling you, it, this, is a, this is a life changer. It's something, that, it's something that opens up the new covenant and really opens up the teachings of Jesus to you in a way that you can wrap your head and your heart around them and see them come to pass in your life, re restore hope to your life, restore vision to your life, restore your dreams, and uh, empower yourself to, to move right ahead uh, and, and live those dreams. So here's the thing. We came to Jesus and we read those promises that Jesus talked about. We read the promises that the Apostle Paul talked about in the epistles. We read, you know, we saw Jesus work miracles. And so it's sort of like we saw a destination to which God wanted us to arrive. Now, many times we see what the end desire is that God has for us. We see the outcome that God wants us to be able to live. We see the promise that God wants us to attain. Now, now here's the problem. And, and I've talked to you about this for years. And that is, we have this tendency to make faith 
all about the end result. And, uh, you know, and that is the starting place. The starting place of faith is I believe that promise. Uh, well, first, I believe who God is. I believe he's good. I believe it is his character and nature to want me to have the best life possible. I believe Jesus died for me to have resurrection life right now here on planet Earth. So faith, first and foremost, believes who God is and what Jesus accomplished at the cross. Until you get that settled in your heart, the truth is you're always going to be up, down, on and off, confused, motivated, discouraged, you know, back and forth and all over the map emotionally and otherwise. Then, then from there, faith believes the promise, the individual promise. So faith realizes that this individual promise is part of the whole expression of God's love, of God's character, of God's nature. And so, so you know, that's, that's a, the next aspect in faith. After believing who God is, believing his character and nature, then we believe his promises. We believe that, that what he says will come to pass. Now, for most people, good people, godly people, this is where we have believed who God is. We have believed God for the promise, but we don't know how to believe God for the process. You see, every person that's looking for a buried treasure tries to find the map first, because if they believe the treasure is there, and, you know, believe it or not, I'm telling you, you know, I saw something just, uh, I don't know if it was last year on television about, you know, some treasure seeker. There are still a lot of people who seek for, you know, treasures that are in sunken ships or in buried on islands and this sort of thing, uh, where, where ancient ships were sunk carrying treasure or where pirates or different groups of people would get stranded somewhere and bury this treasure so that they could come back for it. And, and, and I'll tell you, one of the biggest treasure finds was not that long ago, and I'm telling you, it was in the hundreds of millions of dollars uh, in these old gold coins that were found. Well, see, once that person believed the treasure was there, they had to get a map. They had to get, they had to get some kind of information that said, you know, this, this is where I am. This is where the treasure is. This is how you have to go to get to that treasure. Now, one of the great downfalls, I mean, religion keeps you from believing God's a good God. Religion keeps you from believing that God's promises are for you today. Religion keeps you from all that. And, uh, uh, you know, finds all kinds of ways to push that beyond your hope and beyond your expectation, beyond your dreams. And so, man, th there's so many people that never even believe that God is who he says he is. They believe God is who their denomination says he is, who their pastor says he is, who their mom and daddy said he is, you know, whoever. They're listening to everybody but God to understand who he is. And so, boy, few are the people that make it past that point. But then, there, the next point, like I say, there, there are even fewer people then that actually believe the promise and believe that the promise is real and true and that the, a promise was, was made sure through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, I'm telling you, the, the numbers get narrower and narrower and narrower. You know, it's really interesting. In the Hebrew alphabet, uh, there is the letter hey. And, and the letter hey has to do with the breath of God and the presence of God. And the letter hey is, uh, uh, is like a, 
a, a rectangle sort of like with no bottom in it down here and in the upper left hand corner, the corner doesn't meet. The, 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 the side and the top don't fully meet. And, um, and in the hay, many people, many scholars believe that when Jesus made mention of, when he said, narrow is the way, you know, that leads to life and broad is the path to destruction, many Hebrew teachers believe that those people that heard Jesus speaking knew that concept because of the hay. I mean, besides just the general principles that support that concept, and that Jesus was talking about that narrow way of, of moving into the presence of God and experiencing the life of God in, the tight, in, in, in that little corner of the Hebrew letter and passing through it, whereas that wide open bottom represented where most people were going to go. They were going to take this broad path that was ultimately going to lead to destruction. Now, let me say something. So much of what Jesus taught about life about quality of life, about abundance of life, and even about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, the majority of 20, 20th century and 21st century Christians would take Jesus' parables about the kingdom of God, about life, and they, in their mind, they would translate that to apply or, or to say that Jesus was talking about how to get to heaven after you die. And the reality of it is uh, very few or very little of what is spoken in the parables and very little of what is spoken in Jesus' teaching is specifically about how to get to heaven after you die. It's all about how to uh, I have heaven on earth now. It's all about how to enter into this realm where you are, where you are ridiculously happy, ridiculously at peace. And you have a peace that doesn't make any sense. It passes understanding that most people look at and go, you, how can you be happy? Look at, what, look at what you're facing. And you just have a secret power that they know nothing of. And so, so Jesus, when he talked about life and he talked about, uh, you know, about kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, the truth is, he was talking about heaven on earth. He was talking about something you enter into in this realm right now. So <clears throat> uh, we know that there's the promise of you know th this life of God. We know there's the promise of all of these of all of these things that that, that Jesus says. And either he's true or, or he's not true. Either he's a, either he was a lunatic crazy liar, or he was a Messiah that was offering us something so good that we struggle to believe that it's true. We struggle to receive it. We struggle to, to uh, uh, incorporate it into our lives. But like I said, we, we get out, we, you know, we believe who God is. Man, we make it past that hurdle. Then we believe that these promises that he gave us, we, we, we believe these are ours. We can have this now, but here's where the problem comes. The problem comes in the, in the map what path will I take from where I am today to come to the place where these problems, I mean, where these promises are manifesting in my life and where these promises are overcoming the problems that I'm facing. And that's when we forget all about God and we go to our religious upbringing. We go to our personal opinions. We go to what 
you know, what tradition and culture has taught us, what our denomination has taught us, and what our pastor has taught us. And these are maybe all good people. It's not that they're not good people. It's the fact that they're just repeating what they've heard all their life. So we go to all these places and we try to get them to give us a map. And man, that map could be legalism. It could be somebody telling you all the works that you've got to do to earn this from God. That map could be liberalism that just says, you know what, all of these promises are yours. You don't have to do anything. I was in, I was in a meeting one time where, uh, and this guy knew that I taught about the heart and he's a very well-known guy and you know, has published several books. And, and he, he, he said this because he knew what I was going to be teaching. And he said, anybody that tells you that you've got to develop your heart or you've got to do anything to come to believe in your heart, uh, that person is leading you into dead works, into legalism. And uh, of course, I didn't say anything, but <clears throat> see, that's the map that he's saying. He's saying, he's saying God is sovereign in a way that he's going to decide what you're going to get and what you're not going to get. Well, see, none of that's true. Now, that's in the Bible. Uh, if, that's, if that's the case, then almost everything Moses taught, almost everything that Jesus taught, and everything anybody in between taught is, is not true if God just sovereignly does what he wants to for whom he wants to. And, uh, but, but that's the map he was giving people. So you have people walk out of the meeting and go, okay, here's the prize so the way I get there is just sit here and do nothing. And if God chooses me, then, uh, then I'll experience that. Actually, you know, that reminds me of when I first got saved, I used to go around. Back in those days, you could get into high schools and stuff and share uh, your testimony and do music and share the gospel in schools. <clears throat> and so, you know, I would get into some secular schools, but I'd get into uh, some Christian schools. And I got into a Christian school that was... Uh, a Presbyterian school. Presbyterians are, they're big on, the, uh, on predestination because people who believe in the sovereignty, not the sovereignty that the Bible talks about, but the sovereignty that religion talks about of God can do anything and he just does what he wants to, all that kind of stuff. Uh, they, people who believe that message get into predestination. God predestines certain things for you. And, uh, <clears throat> And, and it gets to the point where God predestines who gets saved and who doesn't get saved. Man, a lie. You're talking, about, you're talking about denying nearly everything in the Bible. But anyhow, so I shared my testimony about how I came to the Lord. I'm telling you, these, these kids were jacked up. I'm talking about jacked up in a good way. They were excited. So afterwards, met a bunch of these kids came down and none of, nobody responded to the invitation. And I couldn't believe it because they loved it so much. They were so excited. So, you know, I was a new convert. I thought, well, I guess they're all saved. I guess all these kids already, here already know the Lord. Man, these kids rushed down there after it was all over. They got around me, started asking me questions. And then, and then you know, one of them said, man, I, 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 I would really like to get saved. And I said, well, then I'll pray with you. And suddenly I realized all these kids were saying, man, I, I hope I get saved. I really want to get saved. And I said, well, well, let's pray together. And... Uh, and they said, well, uh, if it's God's will for us to get saved, we will. And I said, what are you talking about? They said, oh, yeah, we, we talked to our pastor and told him we wanted to get saved. And he told us that if we were predestined, if it was God's will, then we would get saved. I, I, I couldn't believe it as a new believer. I mean, I, trust me, as a new believer, 
I had read the New Testament all the way through before I ever went to church. You know, I wasn't going to take anybody's word for anything. I want to see what the Bible says. So, so, so I had a good, I had a decent knowledge of the Bible. You know, by this time I'd read the New Testament through numerous times and numerous translations. I, I had a pretty good grip already on the New Testament. And I could not believe that these seasoned pastors were telling people, well, if it's God's will, you know, this, so, but you see, that's a map. So every time we, every time we hear someone teach about the promises, they're going to give us, they're going to give us a map. And they're going to say, if they believe the promises are real, they're going to say, this is what you do. This is the, these are the steps that you follow to get to the place to where you can uh, experience this incredible promise that we're talking about. And so what you're going to do then is you're going to start following that map. Now, what this means is we, we're going to hear the promise and then we're going to take control of the process. And if somebody doesn't provide us a map, we'll make up our own. And we'll start saying, well, it seems like to me this is what I should do. Feels like to me this is what I should do. And, um, and before long, we're a God unto ourselves. We're deciding how all of this should work. Well, here's an interesting thing. You know, what, one of my sayings is that, is that uh, the pathway of life, uh, uh, there is no map for the pathway of life. There are only uh, road signs along the way. In other words, in real life, we don't really get a map that says this is everything you got to do. This is every step you got to take. This is how you say it. This is how you do it. This is, you know, this is, this is what you got to do to get to the promise. Because see, technically, the promise is already yours. Technically, you're not even trying to get to the promise. The real truth is you're trying to appropriate, if you will, in your own heart, the beliefs of your heart, and you're trying to experience that promise that has already been given to you right now. So the reality of it is I can't give you a step-by-step -step map that tells you how to get from here to your healing. I can't give you a step-by-step -step map that tells you how to get from here to out of debt and prospering. I can't give you a step-by-step -step map of how to get from your kids are wild and crazy and you know they're going to grow up and, and, and go to jail <laughs> to how to develop them and develop their character. I can provide you all of the principles that you need. I can provide you all of the truth that you need. But see, what you, what you need beyond that is something that happens only between you and God. And God himself, by the Holy Spirit, will lead you into the manifestation, the application, you know, uh, the full expression of that promise in your life because you hear, listen, and follow him. You know something? God wants every... It's the will of God and the desire of God for every person to be saved, healed, delivered, blessed, prospered, protected, made whole, happy, satisfied, in peace, and the list just goes on and on. You say, well, how can you say it's the will of God? Well, because Jesus died for every man to have salvation, and that's what the word saved means. It means all of those things. 
So since Jesus died for every man to have that, obviously it's the will, the desire of God that every man have that. Now see, just because it's the will of God, just because it's the desire of God, that doesn't mean it's going to happen. It's only going to happen if that person allows it to happen in their own heart. If they, if, if they bring it unto themselves and, and experience it in their own life and in their own heart. So <clears throat> people are going to look at this and they're going to be like, oh, wait a minute, man, how do I know how to follow God? How do I know how, how to hear his voice? Well, I'll tell you something. It's just like when you get married. How do you understand your spouse? How do you realize what their little subtle signals are? You know, there, there are things, uh, my kids, my family, people that know me real well, they're, and I don't even know when I do it sometimes, but there are expressions that they'll see me make sometimes. They know exactly what's coming next. They know exactly what I'm going to do just because we've all gotten to know each other well enough. And you know something? Relationships are relationships. It doesn't matter if those relationships are happening between you and your spouse, you and your kids, or you and your friends, or you and your staff. Relationships are relationships, and they're all developed, and they all, you, they all grow as you grow in the knowledge of one another. That's, that's, that's why the uh, Apostle Peter talked about growing in the knowledge, experiential knowledge of God, so that you could come into these promises, because God is all, it's His will for you to have them. He's paid the price for you to have them, and He's trying to lead you into, into having all, all of these promises of God. And so God wants to bring you into this place where you are on a constant, consistent pathway of experiencing uh, Him and you're walking down this path called the path of life where you're constantly, constantly experiencing these things. And when these things take time, you're not frustrated, you're not discouraged, you're not afraid that they're never going to happen. You're able to stay in peace and joy, and, and you're, you're able to still live an incredible quality of life. Now, I can remember the first time I went out to any church and preached this. Golly, this would have been back in the, in the mid-80s, early or late 80s. And, and, you know, I can remember coming to this realization that the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven was not about what happens after you die, which meant all of Jesus' teaching about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, was basically as much of a roadmap as we'll ever get to connecting with Him and experiencing Him and entering into this realm where we can hear and follow Him and walk with Him and where we, we, where we start engaging and being involved with these promises of God that we, have, that we have wanted for so long. You know, when John the Baptist came on the scene to introduce the coming of Jesus in Mark 3, 1 through 3, he says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, next week we're going to talk about what, Based on Scripture, what did the, the average Israelite, when they heard kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God, what did, they think, what did they think was being said? What did they think John was talking about here? But I, but I want to point out something. The law of first reference is so important. The first thing John comes talking about is the kingdom of heaven. And we're going we're to talk about this law of first reference and what he said. But very interestingly, in Matthew 4, 17, Almost immediately after this, it says, from that time, Jesus began 
to preach and say, repent for the kingdom is at hand. In other words, the first message that Jesus came preaching was the kingdom of heaven. First message that John came preaching was the kingdom of heaven. I'll tell you what the kingdom of heaven is. And then I'm going to tell you, then next week we're going to get into what these Jews were hearing. These were the words that were spoken, but here's what they were hearing based on their beliefs at that time. The kingdom of heaven is a realm. And like heaven, all of the resources of God exist in this realm. And they were talking about how to enter into a realm, a place in this life where you had access to all the resources, all the promises, all the power, everything that God had to offer. Heaven on Earth is a series, a book and a series and this, and this broadcast about how to enter in that realm where all of God's resources are there available to you and you know how to access them. Listen, let me encourage you. If you want to help us reach more people, there's some things you can do. Number one is be sure if you're watching this on YouTube to like it. Post comments, post questions. We'll try to get on there and answer them as soon as we can. The more people who subscribe to this channel, the more people who like this channel, the more people who put comments on this channel causes other people to hear this all over the world. And go to our website, www.impactministries.com. We've got all kinds of resources there that'll be a help and a blessing. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.